entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. The show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, DC Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders so they can inspire others. I'm proud to let you know we record the Business Builder Show in the studios of 94.3 FM The Talker, which is part of Bold Gold Media in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The Business Builder Show is distributed by C-Suite Radio. You can find our show and many other fine shows at C-Suite Radio, and that's c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Uh, special guest with me today is Jantoon Riegersman. Jantoon, how did I do with the name? Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Be- better than 99% in the world, so don't worry. Man, okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the elite class right out of the gate. Hey, <laughs> Jantoon wrote a really cool book along with this co-author whose name is Randy Komisar, um, and the title of the book is Straight Talk for Startups, 100 Insider Rules for Beating the Odds, From Mastering the Fundamentals to Selecting Investors, Fundraising, Managing Boards, and Achieving Liquidity. Now, before we kind of get started here with the, our discussion, I want to read a couple of quotes that were praised for this book. So stay with me. Listen up. Here's a quote. Straight talk for startups is filled with real, raw, and fact-based rules of the road that you need to know when diving into our ultra-competitive startup world. A must-read and a reread, and that's by a gentleman by the name of Tony Fidel. I think that's the way you say his name, and he is the co-inventor of the iPod and iPhone and founder of Nest Labs. Another praise for the book, another quote. Aspiring entrepreneurs are hungry to combine knowledge with experience, mentorship, and character. Straight Talk for Startups provides a PhD in entrepreneurship. And this comes from Professor Tom Byers, and he is the endowed chair, entrepreneurship education at Stanford University. Uh, Jan Toon, that's, uh, that's pretty good praise for the book, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's a great book, and we're super excited about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it is a great book. I read it, and um, let's let's start this way. Give us some background on yourself, and uh, tell us a little bit about Randy, okay? Sure. So uh, it's interesting. So I, I actually never thought of myself of an author in any any shape or form. Um, I I, uh, I was in the finance industry uh, in my first years. Then went over to the operating side, and uh, as I parachuted into Silicon Valley-backed companies, I realized that um, over time that the advice we were receiving from the investing community were probably not as effective as they could have been mm. for the the entrepreneurs in the startups. Mm. And um, 
And so for me, it became a little bit of a, a struggle at times, really understanding what was going on. And so as part of that, I engaged with Randy over the years and Randy truly became a mentor of mine. And Randy himself has an, an incredible accomplished career as both successful venture capitalist, as successful operator, as coach, as mentor, and uh, and truly has a lot of very interesting insights. And as we went through this this uh, journey together, we really debated a lot of elements of entrepreneurship, of of coaching, of what a board should be like. How how do you actually how do you really manage the levels of success in your business? And um, yeah. and at the end of that trajectory, we basically said, hey, let's uh, we should actually write this down. I think a lot of people would uh, would find this helpful. And uh, so really, from my own finance background and from his multi background across the board. Uh, we thought, well, this might be an interesting book to write about. Yeah, I mean, both of you have a very um, interesting and very well-credentialed background. I mean, Randy, obviously, with some of the investment, uh, biggest uh, investment houses, venture capitalists in in the world, literally. So, uh, And then your own background in finance. I, I love the marriage. It was really cool. Um, so the book title, again, is Straight Talk for Startups. And so I want to make sure we're clear on something. So... Let's define maybe your definition of a startup, and maybe I'll say maybe contrast that with maybe bootstrapping. Um, so, so maybe who is the book written for? Define startup for me in your in your definition that we're talking about in the book. Sure. So, I think this is really focused on people that are are either running a smaller business looking to grow and trying to figure out how to establish the next phase of their growth in their firm and figuring out how to manage all these different elements to get there or people that are starting completely new so um, have just a wild idea but don't really know how to how to frankly how to get the idea up and running right and so and then there's i think there are sub elements as well so people that are maybe board members of early stage stage companies that do not necessarily have early stage experience or or people executives like myself who had some experience in the past but then basically parachuted in an earlier stage company and basically had to figure out some of these elements so i think there's a wide spectrum of of yeah. uh, of audience now what's interesting is your 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 mention around startups versus bootstrapping so i think Every startup, frankly, every company should be bootstrapped, regardless Amen. of its size. Amen. Right. Yeah. So it's it's really around making sure you're very efficient. I think what's interesting is one of the elements we really focus on in the book as well is, look, you should only get venture capital if you really need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's really focused on how do you establish the daily decisions in your in your business it's the little decisions that really have the compounding effect in the long term yeah and it, these decisions are not just one or two or three themes there are really a lot of decisions you need to take whether how you set up your business plan how do you engage with the customer how do you um how do you think about uh, mitigating some of the risks etc yeah now given that randy and i both have some more finance experience we really focus the book somewhat more on the business plan and and financial elements around how do you manage the board? How do you achieve liquidity? How do you yeah. think about fundraising if you decide to do so? Yep. Um, and so it's a little bit more financially inclined really to narrow the focus a little bit. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's really focused on anybody who's looking to grow a business, start a business, or engage in a business that is maybe not yet as established as the, the main businesses. 
probably is also not yet profitable or is looking to raise some sort of funding. Yeah, quite frankly, I liked that it was more finance-oriented. There's, um, choose my words carefully here, there's an awful lot of fluff out there right now, Jantoon, and, and, and I think that a lot more attention needs to be paid to the finance part of it. Again, my guest is Jantoon Rigersman, and his book is Straight Talk for Startups. You can find that on Amazon, etc. cetera. Um, so I mentioned... Uh, that Randy had a very interesting background in, uh, as a venture capitalist. I cannot let this interview go on any further until I s- have you talk about something that I saw on your LinkedIn page. It says you're an initiator and adventurer. All right, man. I, I, I couldn't let it go. What is that about? No, yeah, I I, uh, I think you need to. Um, this is probably the topic my wife doesn't like me to talk about. But the, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's uh, in in between in between careers. I took a sabbatical, and uh, um, yeah, we we initiated an expedition to uh, to be the first to cover nine thousand vertical meters. And so uh, it was a very interesting expedition. Uh, learned a lot of lessons, and actually, interestingly enough. I think the the expedition itself, where I had to raise a lot of sponsorship for the for the yeah. for the for yeah. the expedition, do a lot of timing elements, and really start something completely from scratch, was actually really helpful for my for my time afterwards in a in a more scrappy startup environment. So yeah. it was. Uh, I love endurance athletes. I love expeditions. I have a great admiration for a lot of my. Uh, of my mentors who have been big heroes in both sports and business. And so I, I felt the urge to do something myself uh, yeah. similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Just to be clear, um, he did uh, some really deep diving and then he's climbing, climbing up, I don't know, all the way to Mount Everest. I'm not sure, but this is extreme, man. And so I love that. I think that's great in terms of preparation for your finance work and for entrepreneurship. I, that's why I wanted to include in the story. Now, the book is written in the five and broken down into five parts. And, um, you know, I, I, I like that. If I, what I'd like to do is I'll mention, you know, I'll mention all the parts and then I'd like to point out one or two things from each part, if you're OK with that. Um, so. Here it is. Part one, mastering the fundamentals. Here's what I'd like for you to address. Rule number nine, target fast growing and dynamic markets. Talk to me about that. Sure. It's like I think the shortest thing, the way to think about this is um, is uh, surfing, actually. So like you can you can be the best surfer in the world. But if the if the waves do not build up when you're well positioned and the the wave really builds up behind you, um, you can be the best surfer in the world, but it doesn't really get you very far. So you really need to make sure you're surfing a big wave and the bigger wave you surf, um, the better you can excel within surfing that wave. And so I think that's really important idea of the markets as well, right? Uh, So you need to, ideally you find markets that are smaller, that you can really be a leader in and but where the market also extends greatly as so that you can really play a much bigger role within that market that is fastly growing. Wow, what a great analogy. I love that. Um, boy, I see that mistake over and over again. They think they got the greatest idea in the world, but there's no market and you can't convince them otherwise. Uh, so target fast-growing dynamic markets. Part two of the book talks about selecting the right investors. And you already said, avoid venture capital unless you absolutely need it. 
go a little deeper on that, if you don't mind. Sure. I mean, so I think I think the, the what you see over and over again is that there are a lot of entrepreneurs that feel that um, once they the, 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 first of all they feel that they need to raise venture capital as a yeah. as a um, to justify their existence. So a lot of people actually almost measure it as they have arrived, right? So oh, there's a I have these and these people in my cap table. And I think what a lot of entrepreneurs forget is that venture capitalists have a very specific way of making their money and they have a very specific way of thinking and they have a very specific way of acting. And uh, when you accept the venture capital, you're going to need to um, accommodate in some ways for that way of thinking. And so it's a very big decision to take because when you take it, it means that what you could not do is take the venture capital and then say, Oh, I'm going to ignore what they have to say because the (laughs) problem is by accepting it, you effectively by default have accepted also their advice and their, and their quirkiness in some ways. And so, yeah, the result is, uh, I think, before you really, really raise the money, make sure you really think about it. Also, I think a lot of people focus on venture capital as uh, and that they need to raise venture capital because otherwise it doesn't consider a real startup, right? And I think actually history has proven that many of very successful companies yeah. never really raised yeah. a lot of money or yeah. uh, even better, never raised any money, right? And there are plenty of very successful family businesses, for example, in, sure. in the country that yeah. were established on, on 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 very small check sizes initially. And I think that that's something that the, the average entrepreneur, especially in Silicon Valley, has kind of forgotten. There's nothing like uh, fueling your growth with cash flow. Um, What a wonderful thing that uh, you're hitting it on the head. So many people think that that's a badge of courage or success is to get into that hook. And really what you're doing is you're taking on a new boss or new bosses. I guess that's the way I put it, Uh, you know, not putting words in your mouth. Let's go to part three. And I guess that's leading to, you know, uh, kind of what we're talking about. Part three is the ideal fund raise. And one of the rules is, hopefully you can address this. You say, you guys say, more ventures fail from indigestion than starvation. Let me say that again. More ventures fail from indigestion than starvation. What does that mean? Yeah, it's uh, these are these are interesting statements. And, and uh, these are things that, that are important because um, – it's, this is especially prevailing for the the Silicon Valley of let's call it the last decade, m- much more so than before. Mm-hmm. Which is, a lot of ventures raise too much money. Uh, mm. If you when you raise too much money, what happens is you feel the urge. Uh, to grow faster yeah. and to grow faster it often comes with getting bloated as an organization yeah. and so uh, there's a certain with any every dollar you raise comes a certain level of expectation the more dollars you raise the higher the level of expectations and also the the higher level of impatience that is associated with that money yeah. and Although there's always the need of a sense of urgency because you are a newcomer in an industry and you're going to try to disrupt that industry the yeah. fact that you have too much money means that you're not going to make optimal decisions. And it means yeah. that you're probably not going to be as frugal as you need to be. Yeah. And it means that you're probably going to grow faster than you need to. And so a really good example is this idea of, hey, when you when you build a product, make sure your product really works yeah. before you hire your first marketing person. Yeah. It's very tempting to say, oh, the product is almost there. 
uh, we're going to already hire the marketing team because they're going to need a lead time to put the product into the market. Now, what happens is there's a small hiccup on the product. You're going to get the delay. In the meantime, you're carrying the cost of a marketing department that goes very quickly. The marketing department also wants to have a free lunch and you're going to get a lot of costs <laughs> that are going to run through the organization. Yeah. And before you know it, you have to go out again, raise more money, even though the product is still not out there. Yeah. Even though that was the premise of the previous round. And that's that's where I think a lot of startups have been yeah. um, having issues. Wow, what great advice. People should get this book, man. <laughs> the title is Straight Talk for Startups. Subtitle is 100 Insider Rules for Beating the Odds from Mastering the Fundamentals to Selecting Investors, Fundraising, Managing Boards, and Achieving Liquidity. Now, when we are doing this interview. Uh, the, bo- the book is going to be available, is, is it June, I think? Yeah, Jantun? it's June 5th. June yeah, 5th. And it's already available in pre-order, can, but it's, uh, it, June 5th it will be out. Yep. Pre-order it now. If you're hearing before June 5th, you're hearing after. No matter when you hear this, you've got to get this book. Again, my guest is Jantoon Rigersman, and he is co-author with Randy Komazar of, again, Straight Talk for Startups. So let's get back to the part. Uh, part four talks about building and managing effective boards. So I've got a two-part question. What's your opinion on when people should start thinking about putting together a board and then address one of the rules that you say small boards are better than big ones? So when might be appropriate? When should they be thinking about a board? And why are small boards better than big ones? Yeah, so I think the 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 official notion of the board should probably start when you when you actually have institutional capital in in the business. Uh-huh. Before then, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it a board as a board of directors, but I would always from day one seek out uh, coaches, mentors, and advisors. Right, and so uh, I would always have a a group of people around you that you can rely on. Being an entrepreneur is a very lonely environment. Yes. And so having the right advice around you is really important. And and frankly, even though with institutional capital often comes the requirement of a board seat and the more formality of a board of directors, yeah. if you are able to establish the right set of board, board, board directors, uh, what's good about that is they effectively function as your advisors and coaches. And so it doesn't feel as a administrative burden. It's much more around having a formal organization uh, set up for it. And so really good boards are effective when they're small. I mean, the bigger the board, the more they tend to effectively move towards administration, right? Yeah. And then people have a harder time express, expressing their opinions. Yeah. It's uh, more difficult to debate the real uh, debates that, that are need, need to happen, especially in the startup world. There are many different decisions that need to be taken over time. There are many different considerations to be taken, and uh, these are things that always need to be debated. And so a smaller group tends to be able to debate that better, yeah. um, especially as uh, you have multiple investors on the same board. Uh, because what often happens is when you have multiple investors, there are going to be multiple viewpoints, which right. is great if you deal with a smaller board, but it becomes really hard to manage with a larger board. And what's, what's always a little bit of a trade-off Many people find it a badge of honor to have a bigger board, but the reality is that 
every yeah. additional board member will require a lot of time to manage as well. And so uh, at the end of the day, the entrepreneurs need to focus on the business instead of managing their boards. Yeah, a badge of honor doesn't pay the bills. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's get past that entrepreneurs and growing people. It's the same way when you were talking earlier. You know, uh, it's referred to as the burn rate, of course, is that you're feeling your oats and you don't have that product ready to go, but you've got money. Well, let's just uh, let's put in the uh, the the pool table and let's give everybody a two month vacation. And all of a sudden, uh, the burn, the money is gone. Okay, so I just did an editorial comment. Forgive me for that. Um, Straight Talk for Startups is the book. Part five talks about achieving achieving liquidity and here's what you guys say in one of the rules liquidity is not limited to initial public offerings and acquisitions let me repeat it liquidity is not limited to initial public offerings and acquisitions tell me more about that jantoon yeah, I think this is a really important important piece, and I'm happy you actually pointed out, which is uh, it, both entrepreneurs as well as venture capitalists act uh, and talk as if liquidity is the end game. Mm. And the reality is, is that for good businesses and good startups in, in general, liquidity is just one step in a much longer corporate life. And so and there are different ways right so people think oh like if you're an entrepreneur and you've been building up a business you don't need to have to ipo in order to get some money out of the business in order to to buy your first home exactly and so there are many different ways you could actually accommodate to the 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 interest that the different stakeholders have around the table yet in most cases people feel almost that as when they do the ipo they've arrived and then suddenly uh, people realize, well, wait a second, it's just the business is going as it is. It's just a different circumstances. And so I think people really have a wrong notion of achieving liquidity in the first place. And it's really about achieving liquidity is providing the return for the risk that the people have taken throughout the, the life of the of the investment or the startup. Yeah. Yeah. It can I, be done in different forms and different formats over a different period of time. And it also doesn't happen to happen happen. It doesn't have to happen in one go. Correct. And uh, I'm agreeing. By the way, um, this book is written in a form that you could actually buy this book, look at a topic if you wanted to do this and say, okay, I want to learn more about boards. It, it makes recommendations. There's, all, like we've said, 100 rules. If uh, uh, I'm trying, I'm looking at, don't oversell your board. Uh, true board diversity is a competitive advantage. Uh, you know, uh, all these rules, there's like one, two, or three pages. So if you wanted to tackle like individual topics, you can do that. I strongly suggest you read the entire book at whatever level uh, and while you were saying all that, Jantoon, I was thinking of a gentleman by the name of Sean Askinosi, and he has a company called Askinosi Chocolate. And and so it's it, a little bit off topic, but he talks about something called reverse scale, meaning s- close to what you're saying is that you don't have to have this world-renowned IPO to have a great business. It's really up to you, is it not? Yeah, I, I, I actually think it's absolutely. I mean, doing an IPO is a very conscious decision to go from a private setting to a public setting. And yeah. there are very big pros and very big cons of doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so absolutely. I mean, I think that there's absolutely no reason 
for people to say that an IPO is the end game of any type of startup. I think there are plenty of reasons why people could stay private, um, uh, be acquired or partially acquired. There are many different ways that they can do that. But I think also, I, the, I think the bigger problem and people confuse two things, which is, what is true is that in the private setting, the values could become overinflated. And mm-hmm. I think that's a more more systematic problem mm. rather than saying people are not IPOing. I think those are very distinct issues. So as an entrepreneur, I think those are all elements that are within your control and are things that you actually, interestingly enough, are the little decisions you've taken in the earlier days that have a very big impact on the later days. And I think that these are all things that um, like – if you, depending on what type of venture capital you're going to put on your board, the likelihood that you're going to have to end up in, an, in, in a public offering is fairly high because that's maybe where yeah. they want to drive you towards. Yes. So there are these little decisions at the start yes. that matter a lot for the end. And so you have to be really careful what you do at the start. But I absolutely agree. There's absolutely no reason to IPO if you don't need to, if you don't want to. So my guest has been Jantoon Riegersman, and he wrote a book with Randy Komazar. Title is Straight Talk for Startups. Uh, at I quite frankly, at any level, uh, if you're in business, uh, but especially if you're kind of in the early stages, this is a must read. And people uh, who are a lot smarter than I are saying the same thing. So Jantoon, thank you so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and. Um, thank you so much for all, all everybody listening. You bet. Thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf. Reminding you to find all our shows and many other great shows on C-Suite Radio. That's c-suiteradio.com. On behalf of myself, Marty Wolf, your host, and D.C. Taylor, my executive producer, thank you for listening to the Business Builder Show, but stay tuned for information on how you can become part of the C-Suite Network. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf. As a loyal fan of this C-Suite Radio Show, we've got an unbelievable offer for you. Listeners to the Business Builders Show get 50% off a C-Suite Network membership. The C-Suite Network will help you become the most strategic person in the room. You'll have access to top-notch benefits and networking all helping you get the most out of your position. Take advantage of this limited-time offer today. Learn more about the C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR. Again, that's 50% off a C-Suite Network membership at c-suitenetwork.com slash CSR.